What is up, Thingateers? We are coming to you live from our social distancing, and we are about to spend some quarantine quality time together. Some quarantine, if you will. <laughs> and this is your obligatory reminder to go wash your hands. How are you doing, Corey? I'm washing my hands. Good. We got to make sure yeah. it's for 20 seconds. What is your favorite 20-second snippet of song to sing while you wash your hands? I don't have one. I just count. Oh, that's lame. Mine's I... not appropriate for, for, <laughs> for what we're doing right now. <laughs> so I'm just okay. not going <laughs> to. You know, but I switch about between like a couple ones. I, I haven't done the happy birthday one, but. No. I just sit there and count because it just, it's 20 seconds. It's not a big deal. It's not four or five seconds from uh from Wylan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Song. <laughs> you like the rim shot I made you? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of as that rim shot was as good as that joke that I made. Exactly. <laughs> you got what you deserved. It's about damn time. I need my restitution. Don't worry, we're all going to get our stimulus money, and then we won't have to worry about social distancing anymore. That's the most stimulus I'll be getting for a long time. Hey. <laughs> Guys, social isolation and distancing has really been rough on me. Yes, it has, hasn't it? Oh, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, my house was clean, but now that I'm living in it, it's not clean anymore. I I've gotten some solid video game time in. I've gotten some solid binging done. Um, but I definitely miss interacting with people. <laughs> See, I don't have that problem, but that's because a little game called Animal Crossing came out. Oh, yeah. That's not the game I've been playing, guys, just as an FYI. I've been still playing Persona. <laughs> Making a yep. lot more progress now that I've got more time with it. Um, but that's what I'm playing. I'm, I'm determined to finish it by the time I have to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, no. While I have time, I have played Animal Crossing since it came out. While I while away the hours until Final Fantasy VII Remake arrives at my door through its shipment delays from Amazon. Yay, thanks Amazon, woo! Woohoo coronavirus. Oh, I mean. Man, now we're gonna get banned. I'd say we get banned in China, but that already happened. Like, they just need to stop eating bats. Yeah. They're not they're so... Aussie. I mean, and he even ate it raw. Yeah, he bit the head off. And he didn't catch no coronavirus. What I'm saying is Chinese, is, is that the, these people are Okay, <laughs> but also, you gotta think of the shit Ozzie put in his body up to that point, where he thought it was a good idea to catch a bat and rip its head off and, you know, bite the, bite the head of a bat. Um, you are not sober <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so I mean, we are talking about a man who did snort a line of ant. Yeah. But he's think done about a lot it. to but, his but body. it was raw. Wouldn't you think raw bat would give you a higher chance of catching the virus than a than a cooked bat would have? Unless it didn't exist up until recently. Maybe yeah, it was crafted. But now they're selling bats in markets again? Yeah, that's 
also so fast backwards. Like, we're pretty sure this is what caused it. So we're going to keep it on the streets. Like, you know what that sounds like? Something we're not talking about on our podcast. Yeah, probably for the best. Let's you know something <laughs> else we're not talking about on our podcast, Nancy? What's that? The internet's newest phenomenon. Phenomena. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry. Tiger King. That's coming, though. <laughs> that will come, but we're not talking about that this week. We're not. We we have some we have some stuff that we need to catch up on. It's been a little while now. Um, we have a bonus we, thing. We do have a bonus thing because Nancy was actually kind of soon. <laughs> yes, and we got things that we owe you. Yeah, some things we owe you. Some new things. And a surprise thing. And well, yeah, and the surprise thing. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> It's spoopy, thank you. Yeah, but speaking of, you know, things, we obviously have had a lot of time of our hands. And aside from video gaming, what's been on your watch list, Nancy? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to admit this to our to our audience of Thingateers. I mean, you might as well, or I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> well, okay, so I've actually been watching a couple of things. And well, I'll leave the doozy for the end. <laughs> um... I've been watching MXC to kind of get my sports fix in, which has been great. Thanks, Tubi. Appreciate you. So I've been watching through MXC, which has been a lot of fun because I used to love watching that show before I go to bed. So that's exactly what I do. I've caught up on a lot of my YouTubes because I definitely let those all fall to the wayside as of late. So I caught up on on my my Grumpy Gamers, um, my Markiplier's, my Septic Eyes. I'm at Pat's, all them, all them fellas. And then I went down a rabbit hole <laughs> and I did something that I, I, I'm ashamed of, but I saw it through to the end because I committed and I started watching Love is Blind on Netflix and finished it in like two and a half, three days. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> All right, so let me tell you what an absolute dumpster fire this show is. Because it is, in every sense of the word. And, like, the premise... So the premise had my attention for a split second. And then it immediately just fell, fell to pieces. Because they basically have these, these men and women, I think it was, like, ten on each side date each other without ever seeing anyone. Hence the name of the show, Love is Blind. And it's got Nick Lachey and his wife. I don't know her name. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. So they're the, they're the host and also the ones doing this experiment. And they have all these people. And basically the way that they date without ever seeing one another is you get put in these like little pods. And the pods have really thin walls so you can hear the other person talk, but you can't see them. I'm sure there are microphones and speakers and stuff to make it easier. I'm sure there's other things than just a thin wall. But um, <laughs> so you basically go on a bunch of literal blind dates and you like take notes. And because the premise is because you can't see that physical, that physical person and you have to connect with them on like a, a spiritual and emotional level, that love should be blind at that point. 
and you can't see the person until you um until you propose to them to get married that's where the show lost me oh my <laughs> yeah so you you have to get engaged in order to see the person so and like you get to see like all these little snippets um i'm on the team hashtag fuck jessica she's a she's a fucking twat and her voice is annoying and i hate her um and that's <laughs> mark is blind i will say the memes around this show have been fantastic because <laughs> there definitely is a nice little subculture of uh meme makers out there that are hitting the nail on on the head with the the series as a whole um but there's like a lot of other couples and then it kind of gets like whittled down into i think it's five five final couples out of like the 10 that could have been because some people don't make it so almost i think it was like eight couples got engaged total and then one didn't even make it to the honeymoon they're like you know what no i saw you and like never mind i'm out and i was like damn (laughs) and then the other ones like made it to their vacation so that way they can work on making the physical connection so you basically you have the emotional connection the physical connection and then marriage and (laughs) so they didn't even make they made it to the place to like instantly and like you basically just got to see them do relationships so it's like you have this deep emotional connection and now it's like now you might have to fuck um (laughs) it's a really romantic setting have fun go do the deed (laughs) and then you gotta plan a wedding and introduce people to their their families and it's it's crazy how stupid it is (laughs) it was so good to watch though it was a legitimate crash dumpster fire and you just you couldn't look away wow yeah no. yeah no. total shit show total shit show oh. and it like there were some twists and turns and you know all the the editing that any reality d- dating show does but i will give them props for it being a more fresh take on a dating show because i haven't everything's so like bachelor knockoff or things of that nature in terms of dating shows. I haven't watched dating shows MTV days, if that kind of puts that into perspective. So I watched oh, yeah, a lot like of MTV's next. I loved next on Iran and parental control. <laughs> uh, Room Raiders. Room Raiders. You know, Zach Efron was on an episode of Room. A lot of people are on an episode of Room Raiders. Well, I'm just saying like original Disney's poster child, Zach Efron, you yeah. know, Troy Bolton in the flesh was rifling through a panty drawer and being like, ew. <laughs> but yeah, Room Raiders was one. Next was my shit, though. I loved the fuck out of Next because it was so, like, absolutely ridiculous in every sense of the word of, like, oh, yeah, like, I I have a problem. So, like, if you have a problem with me, my problem just got ten times worse. Like, if you don't think that I'm you know, good on my good day. You don't want to see me on my bad day. Like, and I only date felons. And then like the, the people are just like, I'm crazy. I'm here for comic relief. I'm the hot one. And I'm the one that actually might want to date this person. They always fell into those categories. And it was always, always going through like every one of them, you go through the first two because then you get to your third one. And that was the one that it ended with. No, yep. sometimes it took to the last one. In the later seasons, they started swapping it. Like, where it's like, oh, yeah, and you could always, like, tell 
like with the person that they show and then like how many more seconds the one that they were gonna end up like dating or we're gonna end up taking the money for however long their date lasted like (laughs) um they started swapping them out but you could always tell because that person had longer screen time than the other ones in their introductions you know i always wonder if any of the couples from those dating shows have stayed together no <laughs> hey thing it's if you happen to be on one of these cheesy dating shows and happen to be listening to us want to tell your love story please reach out to us yeah lord knows i need a better love story than <laughs> than love is blind right now make me <laughs> make me forget what i saw <laughs> so i can't give you a love story but i've binge watched a documentary Ooh, tell me about it because which one that sounds exciting doesn't it uh it was HBO i love documentaries unironically Oh, I love documentary series. Yes. Uh, HBO, they had a documentary series done by Mark Wal- uh, produced by Mark Wahlberg about the McDonald's Monopoly scam called McMillions. Okay, so this was the one that happened in the early aughts, right? This was going on for years throughout the late 80s, early 90s, and they finally caught them in about the early aughts. Okay, so that's like, aught, that's aught how one. I... Oh, aught, aught one, gotcha. Perfect. So, actually funny, because the trial was scheduled to happen and made the news and everything on September 10th, 2001. Ooh. And that's why it quickly got overshadowed and most people forgot about it. Yeah, because I have no idea. This, this story that makes has sense. it all. It does. Yeah, so let's tell talk me about, about it. Let's talk about ex-wives. Let's talk about mafia connections let's talk about backstabbing families and people get taken advantage of in ponzi schemes and the fbi and you got informants and murder and death and yeah it really does have it all it has it all for a story about getting boardwalk and park place for mcdonald's to give you a million dollars i tried so hard i felt like one year i probably had it and we lost one of the pieces you never would have gotten it. I know. But it was just a thought. I, I just remember because like thinking, like, oh, we had this. Yeah, you know, no. I, I remember playing McDonald's Monopoly. So in a breakdown of it, apparently some guy who worked for security for the security company for the ad agency had access to get the pieces and swapped them out with a guy that had connections to the mob and et cetera, et cetera, and pulled on from there. And then things happened and a grandma got jealous and wanted her grandbaby and tipped off the FBI. So this started off, this whole thing, like, went down because someone wanted to fight a custody battle? Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's Alrighty, then. I'm telling you, it's got it all. It's yeah. got it all, and it was great. I've been watching that, and then that's really about all I've watched. So how many episodes Otherwise, is the documentary? It's only about six or eight episodes to it, but because I watched that, and then otherwise I've been playing Animal Crossing. Ooh, so why don't you tell me a little bit more about Animal Crossing? Tell me, tell me about your time, because that's apparently been a lot of how you've been spending yours. Yeah, I've got an island to make, homie. I've got my brick staircases to build. I've got my brick bridges to build. I gotta get the tailor shop open. I gotta find Ooh. Celeste. I gotta get some shooting stars on a nice clear night so I can get my magic wand. Ooh. <laughs> what are I you going to do with a magic wand? You can change your clothes at will. Nice. 
Instead of like having to like go home and change. Oh, uh-huh. it's just an instant thing where you can change it at will and you can get a good wand and like a, an okay wand. You know, I've been working on my museum, getting Blathers Boy to get me some more dino facts and some bug facts, even though he doesn't like them. Okay, I will say my brief instance with Animal Crossing, because you did show it to me before we went under social distancing. <laughs> um, I love Blathers. He is best boy. He is so fucking cute. And I love his little facts. He made my heart so happy. So, you know, I've been doing that. I paid off my house. I've got my room. I've got to pay that off to get another room. I've got myself a new villager. He's a little hippo. So I've got myself a little wolf now. I've got a a sheep, a lion, a rabbit, a dog, and a hippo. That's a pretty interesting combination of animals you have crossing paths. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and they all live on my island yeah, that has island. pears. I have a pear island. Oh, nice. Have you planted any other fruits, or do you, are you still only on your, your pears? I have pears, oranges, apples, peaches, and coconuts, and I have bamboo. I was with you for the bamboo. I need cherries. So think of tears. <laughs> if you have cherries... No, I'm getting cherries. I just haven't had the time to. Gotcha. You know, when people are, when when friends link their sleep schedules to South Korean time. Yeah, that does make things a little bit difficult. See, I'm like in the middle between your sleep schedule and his sleep schedule. I mean, my sleep schedule has changed since I have not been at work, since I have to get up every morning at the same time. Yeah. But it has it, though. Not really. (laughs) But that, I guess, long-winded talk about brings me to the thing we watched together. Kind of. Kind of. We tried. We watched an episode together. And we tried the Netflix party. Yeah, we did the Netflix party for one of them. But we're talking, of course, about the first season of Castlevania. I finally did it, guys. I said season. But then again, yes. when it's only four episodes long, it's hard not to watch the first season. Season. <laughs> How many times will I say season in this review? I don't know. Stay tuned. I don't know, because we have a couple seasons that we're talking about. Well, what season do you think this show takes place during, Nancy? Winter. <laughs> it's a wonderful season. It's not my favorite season, though. My favorite season <laughs> is summer. I wonder if they could tell us a story with seasons. It's possible. We'll just have to wait till next season. See what happens. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> I think you'll like season two, but let's talk about season one. So this season, you can introduce oh to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, because you never saw this before, and I rewatched it. Correct. So I mean, what did you think? Give me your thoughts. Talk to me about it. I'm not taking us thing by thing on it. We're talking just overall. What did you think? Okay. So I I really like it. I am grateful that I decided to wait a little while to get onto this bandwagon. For I, I didn't want to only have to, you know, I would get four episodes and then have to wait for season two. Which is eight and episodes. Then, yes. And I'm glad I don't have to do the wait. I can just hop into the next season. Um, 
The thing that I probably appreciated the most about it, though, is the art style. Hands down. Oh, it's beautiful. I like the humor. It, the humor is great, too. Um, but for me, it's the just the way that the the colors are, the way that the shadows reflect, like, moods. Like, it, it's very well done. Um, and just, like, character models look fantastic. Anatomy is great. Everyone's a hot boy or a hot girl. <laughs> For the most part, the important people, and they're they're pretty in the right ways, um, and they do a great job of establishing character enough backstory um, and plot progression in all of four episodes, which was great. Yes, yeah, so the pacing when, was done very well. <laughs> when this was announced. Your favorite word. This, yeah, this was supposed to be a movie originally. Um. And then it got picked up and set as a series, which is why it was split between one and eight episodes, between the four episodes, first part to set it up. And then ratings from there gave it to where you could have season two. I love this castle. I love this animated series. It is probably one of the best, best ones I've seen in a long time. I watch a lot of animated series. You do. I watch a lot of anime. You do. This isn't an anime. I want to make that clear for the beginning. It's an American animation. Yeah, but very... But it does have a very anime heavy inspired. Yeah, it's an it, it's aesthetic. got that manga, it's kind of got the art style that's inspired by the by anime and manga stylings and anglings, but it is a beautiful show. The art style, the mood, the story, the music. You very music. clearly know the music's <laughs> great in this show. The way they use it's amazing. But here's oh, well here's the thing that the show does very well is it very clearly establishes the good guys. But it doesn't exactly let you know who the definite bad guy is because it lets you draw your own conclusion between Dracula and the church. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm on Team Dracula. Like, ultimately, we know Dracula's the bad guy because it's Dracula. But it's not black and white. Because, yeah, exactly. And I love They give the motivation. Yeah, they give the motivation behind it, which I think is fantastic. So, like, the overarching story of this so far has been has been in, very intriguing. We got to see the progression of Dracula, you know, prior to. So we got to see, like, I don't know if it was, like, pure being Dracula, <laughs> but he obviously, like, let people into his house, and that's how he met his wife, and she was brilliant, and, like, he got to see, like, I guess, like, a softer side of, of Dracula for a moment, and then you saw the moment that flipped the switch for him. And I'm sorry. If you're going to come to my house, take my woman and kill her because you think she's a witch because she's just a brilliant mind and y'all are dumb as fuck. Yeah. Hashtag fuck the church. Team Dracula all the way, man. I'd be fucking shit up, too, if I had that kind of power. I would be. In, I would, you know, release Hell's army onto the world and scorned me from <laughs> someone I love. So I, I, he's got my back. I, I've got his support. Oh, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> he's not necessarily a bad guy he's just taking out his vengeance he gave them plenty of warning too by the way he gave him a year too it, it wasn't like he was just like oh you oh you murdered her i'm gonna kill you all now it's you got one year to get the fuck out and this is mine again yeah it's like i let you i let you live here my what because my wife said to let you live here and this is how you repay her basically because She's the only reason y'all aren't dead in the first place. So I'll give you a year to figure your shit out and then go. 
And I love how the church is in this as well, too. Because it it's honest, which I appreciate. <laughs> because at the end of the day, and you can go back to, you know, whatever history book you want on the matter. Don't don't at me religious internet, but the church is not always the best in terms of moral actions. And that's just over the course of history. Religion has allowed for so many bad things to happen. And this is this is a great example of it. You know, the it was the church that was going to burn the witch because, you know, knowledge is scary. And you got to see, because that's exactly how the religion religion acted back in ye olden days, is anything that they didn't understand was scary and the devil and had to die. <laughs> and on, so, uh, just in ye olden days, huh? I'm not trying to start a controversy today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Look, we're stuck here. If we're going to get canceled, we might as well get canceled due to COVID than anything, right? Yeah, that's true. But no, shit hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what we're basically saying is, you know what? Fuck religion. <laughs> I A little mean. bit. Oops, that's fine. Um, But but yeah, so it, it was just, it was a very honest depiction because a lot of times people are scared to show any type of church or religion, even if you don't ever disclaim what specific one you're going after you can usually kind of put the pieces together if you're not dumb and the church church hasn't found you yet and burned you at the state stake um <laughs> and i do like how dracula is his middle name yes he is a man that wanted to go by his middle name i suppose we've all done it at one point maybe not you yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah you're vlad, good. i like how he's vlad tepish but it's vlad dracula tepish but, so we've talked a little bit about Dracula and his motivations, right? Yes. Let's talk about our other three characters. All right. So, you, you've met the trio. I have you've met the trio. The pretty boy band, the pretty boy boy band member with the long blonde hair and the magical flying sword. You've met the whip boy who wants a beer. You've met the, the woman in the middle who brings their power thruple together. So, <laughs> who's your favorite? From what you've seen so far, who do you like the most so far? I know you've only seen one of them very, sh very short bursts, but okay. So what do you so, think? Maybe maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe I should say, what do you think of our main of our main trio of heroes? What do you so think out of, of the Alucard, Sypha, and so Trevor? Alucard, I I like his wits, but I don't know if I can trust him. Um, although. He exists in terms of the prophecy from the seat, uh, from the, from the speakers, what they're called. <laughs> yes, they are the speakers. Yes, the speakers. So I know he is their quote unquote destiny, but I think he kind of like that to be manipulative. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to help me destroy my father because it's what my mother would have wanted. So it's like, I, I feel like his, his, his motivations are pretty pure in saying that, but I'm Pretty sure he'd be willing to stab somebody in the back uh, to get that to happen. Um, I love Alucard. Like, but so far, like, no, I think he's a badass because it, it was also, I love that whole fight sequence. Three. Like, I love that whole fight sequence between Alucard and Trevor because they were both, like, matching each other's skills and then, like, bringing it up to, like, the next level. 
And also, like, Trevor, you know, had to, like, kind of, like, prove, like, oh, I can fight a vampire. <laughs> I'm a Belmont motherfucker. Like, um, and the fight sequence was super cool. And then, like, you think, like, Trevor's done it and, you know, he's killed him. But I also know that because he wasn't in his coffin that nothing was going to happen. And that's from our Curse of Stroud campaign. Hey, I know stuff now. <laughs> hey. But, I know. It's like I pay attention now and like these things connect, which means I need to pay attention to Castlevania for a fraud campaign. God damn it. Um <laughs> so and I just like that he was just like, oh my god. And then he's like, You you're the real deal. You'll do. Let's go. And I'm just like, bro. <laughs> I love Alucard. But I respect it. Like, cause that that's some that's some D O double G shit level of like, I need to size you up right there. Um Trevor? I can't wait for you to get to season three Alucard. Oh, is it Gloria? I just, I can't wait. Just, it's, you'll see. <laughs> Alucard has a great arc. Okay. I, he really does, and it goes great throughout it. Um, What do you think of Trevor? Just give the poor man a beer. <laughs> Look, sometimes beers tell. are better than sex. Trevor Belmont. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. <laughs> Um, I just, I feel that he, he's a man that we need to know more about later, but his personality shines through of, I don't really give a fuck. I just want to drink. And like, I'm here to just kind of like, I'm here to do shit. Like, <laughs> and he's, but he's very resourceful and he, like, they show like how quick witted he can be. And, and especially like with his like snarky remarks and things like that. Like he's funny as fuck. <laughs> I love I love that about him. He's and, very deadpan. Yes, and I love it. It's been it just no real emotion, like quick delivery, 10 out of 10 comedic styling right there. But then he, you know, also he was showing the villagers how to like defend themselves against the impending army from Nightfall. You know, I was like, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you do this. And it also, it wasn't just like him like coming saving the day. It's like you guys need to learn how to if you are going to be living here like you have been even though you didn't heed a warning like this is how you survive so that speaks to his character really well i think so i'm interested to explore that more well that's because he's a belmont well right and i i want to know more about the belmonts like i know that they have basically been disowned by the church because they had dealings in the supernatural, but the supernatural obviously exists. And that's what they're fighting against and all that good stuff. So well, the Belmont family has been the family throughout time that has fought and defeated Dracula. And it starts back with his, like, I think four times or three times great grandfather. Oh, shit. And it See, continues things I don't on know. forward with Richter and Simon. Because Simon comes after Trevor, believe it or not. Okay. So but the isn't events Trevor we're seeing the baby? now take place. <laughs> what? So, never mind. It's a stupid question. Continue. Yeah, see, so this is taking the story of Castlevania 3, which is actually took place before the events of the first Castlevania game. Ah, so we're, we're playing the pre- we're watching the prequel right now. I don't know what they're doing, honestly. I'd really like to see them, like, open it up to have some Symphony of the Night shit come through where we can have Richter Belmont show up. Ooh. That would be oh, fun. That's another story. That is. That's another date, but that's uh, Trevor. So now you've got one more to answer me some questions about. What do you think of Miss Sypha? 
Well, I think she's a badass. Um, but a little misguided. So I'm interested to watch her become her own woman. But her magic OP. So I'm very excited to see what she's capable of in terms of her magical abilities. And she seems to be able to handle handle herself pretty well. But I don't <laughs> I don't really have much out like on her. She's she's just more or less been there. And I don't really feel like we've explored her enough. Like they show like, oh, she's brave because she went down and came across the Cyclops and turned to stone um, and all that jazz. So it's like, okay, so she did that. Um, she's obviously the granddaughter of the elder. So we, we have that important lineage from her as well, too. So basically we've got the, the trio of siblings going up against, or, well, not like siblings, but like the children of the next generation going to fight the big bad Dracula. Because they're all, you know, son of Dracula, grand, granddaughter of an elder, and then son of a Belmont. I guess, yeah. So um, my other, the other thing I want to ask you is what do you think about the representation of the church? I know we touched a little bit on it. It's trying to see as, you know, as for burning her at the stake. But as it moves forward and we talk about more getting toward like more of episode four's representation of how the church rules the city where the speakers are. Yeah. You know, with the way they're using it. And I love in the fact, you know, Trevor calls out the priest for the preacher for using the sword and telling him he's never seen him with the sword. And that arm and aspect of it, I like the way they display that to kind of give more into that you're not sure who the villain is aspect but what's your take what do you think well and we kind of know how i feel about this but i i love the way that the, the church is depicted in all of this because like i said churches have never typically been completely good <laughs> and you really get to see how corruption can really change things and religion is super easy to get corrupted with because there's always something there's always a material line that justifies actions in the in the in the text <laughs> and for example um, in this you see the priest just yearning for power yes so you get to see like his corruption and it's like and it was it, it was definitely not an overnight thing that you would you experience because even in his monologue of this city's fallen this city's fallen this city's fallen we're the last major city and i'll be the main church and this is at a time where religion had a lot of power. Like, like the towns were formed around the church. Yes. So you see that religious ruling. And although they might not rule like the entire land, mo for the most part, churches had that autonomy in their towns because they were viewed as, you know, the highest status symbol outside of royalty. So... That's why they, you know, they would come into power and be able to abuse said power. And I think it's great that Castlevania went there because it's just history. And seeing, I like, I like Trevor calling him out on, you know, oh, priests shouldn't have knives and what the fuck is this? Like, you can see, like, how corrupt they are and, you know, the seedy underlings and how these people are probably not too holy but they're here to do the bidding of, of the priest. So it shows like the monopoly, I don't know, monopoly or 
the hierarchy, I guess. So, those knives were also pretty nice. I can't imagine they were cheap. But, gifts from the church. <laughs> and I do, and I do love when the priest meets his end in the church. Yes, let me, I could kiss you, let me kiss you. <laughs> yes. And, like, I, I love how it was done. And the line that sticks with me was, oh, you shouldn't be able to be here. Um, you know, this is in God's house. And he's like, God left you a long time. Long time ago. Like, and I'm like, damn. And it's true because once once you've, although I am not religious, I do understand that, like, you, you walk away from God's light. Like, you know, it's not going to shine on you and protect you. And Dude burned an innocent woman at the stake and claimed it in the name of God, and God said no. Yep. God noped the fuck out after that one. He's like, I got other shit to worry about. You're on your own. Good luck, kid. Like, those are not my teachings, right? So I'm, I'm glad that they went there with that, and like, it's like, ha, hey, your God's not here. This is, you know, I'm the God here now. Mwahahaha. And then bam, dead. <laughs> right. It's like, yes, haha, now. Let me kiss you and eat your face. Exactly. So yeah, I think I think they did a good job depicting the church. I think they did this. a good job depicting the corruption of the church. Yes. And it did give me some uh it's gonna sound silly, hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> vibes. Like especially because like it, it still had that like gothic architecture of the church just because of the time period that we were dealing with as well. So I understand like visually why it was there, but you know, also they in the hunchback Notre Dame, the main protagonist is man of the church. <sighs> Funny how some of my favorites always have to do with fighting religion. Ah. <laughs> so we've talked about the art style. We've talked about the plot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Danced around, but... We've talked about the characters. I guess really the only thing left to ask about is, what do you think about the voice acting? Do you think it matches what they're trying to portray for these characters? Most of the time. <laughs> there, there have been some moments that were definitely pretty weak. And pretty, and I wish I could pull one off of the top of my head, but it was definitely in the third episode where just like the voice acting, like whatever clip they decided to put in post did not match the tone of the rest of the episode um, or even the rest of that scene. And it was so like, it was so jar. I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) I stopped everything. And I was just like, that, that didn't make sense. Like, in turn like in terms of like what's going on um but in terms of the actual casting i'm not mad about anything i think the voices match the faces very well and i think for the most part like the acting behind the voice acting is solid um uh saifa a little flat right now she also hasn't said much like she's talked but she hasn't said much Does that makes sense yeah makes sense makes sense and I think her, I think, and that's probably one of the reasons why I don't have much in general. It was like her, to me, I think was the most, eh, it was fine. But that's all it was. Fine. <laughs> so are you ready for season two? Yes. Cannot wait to start. 
Well, then join us soon, Thing of Tears, because we'll jump on to season two. Why am I not talking about season one? Because we're going to do all of them at once, for my opinion, on the show. Yep. This is just a, a binge and go. So once I finish binging. Once we get that. through season two, I'll talk about them both at length myself, because I feel season one and two need to be viewed just together. And season three is its own separate part of that. Okay. And you'll understand as you watch season two while I why I say that. Well, I mean, it's just how we've left the story. <laughs> well, season two is literally just season one, part two. No, That's I know how it feels to me because it's just the and here's the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It was like here's your hook and here's the line in sync. So, yeah, I will start binging that soon. It's not like I have nothing better to do time now. Yeah. Right. So on that note, we're going to go complain about a show that has the exact opposite issue with its pacing. Oh, we're going there. All right. Okay. <laughs> Join us for our review of The Witcher. All right, Thing of Tears, have you ever wondered where you could be the first to find our uploads? Well, wonder no more. Check out our main Anchor page. It's anchor.fm forward slash a thing bod. While you're there, make sure to check out our links to Facebook and Twitter that are going to be pinned right up at the top of the page near the podcast description. So we're here talking about another pacing the series, but not too bad. I mean, the pacing of The Witcher wasn't bad, so we'll get more into that later. But yeah, we're going to talk about The Witcher, Nancy. Yep, we finally finished it, and it's time we talk about it holistically this time. Yes, so we're going to talk about it for the ninth week in a row, because it's an eight-episode series. This is our thing now, apparently, on a thing, is we're going to do the review afterward. I kind of like this, though. No, I like it, too. I think it makes a lot more sense. Because, you know, we're going episode by episode. And then we got to have time to process our thoughts. So, And we took a lot of time to process our thoughts on this. <laughs> you know, yeah, taking the extra week between with everything that's been happening and us to kind of figure out what we needed to do moving forward for the show, which we figured out it works. We can still do this. We're just back to how we used to record. Back in the olden days. It did give me time to sit back and kind of reflect on the witcher a little bit and i really thought i mean i liked it i think i i don't know if the way it told the story of how it kind of like i understand the way they're telling the story at the beginning of this series with the three separate timelines i just don't know if it was necessary okay because while showing yennefer and geralt in in Geralt meeting multiple times that almost feels like it didn't have to happen that could have been season two well while Jennifer's moments and a lot of them were great and highlights of this season it almost feels like what and it's going to be weird because we just talked about Castlevania but the way they're doing it with doing more of the characters now and introducing them without much backstory thought instead of doing backstory the seasons almost seems like this show could have benefited more from it and showed maybe as a random non sequitur back. You know, we were introduced to a bunch of characters that we don't know much about and we know very little still about, at least Geralt we know very little about, other than he's a witcher because mom abandoned him. We know and we got more the backstory about... like the last episode. <laughs> yeah, we got the, that backstory in the last episode. But while we know all of Yennefer's history, and we know all of right. Cyrilla's history. Okay, but 
I'll, I'll kind of counter you on that because I also and also a book series. And I know in the book series, you know, Geralt has his a fully fleshed out character because it's a book. That's kind of how it goes. But in terms of like the video game, you play as Geralt and or Galt. And, <laughs> you know, you really make the character more like your own and like you basically like get the backstory and then you just kind of like dick around. And that's like his whole purpose in this. Like, in all honesty, we got the main story from Cirilla and Yennefer. And then he was off side questing the whole time. <laughs> and that's what the entire show was. And I'm not mad about it. I honestly, I feel like they told the story pretty well. Uh, and I, I really wouldn't change the delivery. I like knowing all of Yennefer's backstory and like seeing her progression. And they even tried to make like some like parallels between Yennefer's journey and, and Geralt's story, or Geralt's story, or Geralt's story. <laughs> we'll never say it right. It's just not fun anymore <laughs> to, to say it right. And like they try to add parallels to those two characters. And like their growth and the journeys that they go on, you know, they're and it was, it was well done. Cirilla's uh, story for me, although probably the most, Im I don't know, maybe not the most important, but up there, if she she is of major importance. Was also probably the most like eh, storyline for me. Well, but here's the thing for me, so. The series of the novels, it is Geralt's story. And okay. while we get, you know, episode one shows us how he got the moniker of the Butcher of Blaviken. That's what episode one shows you. Because mm -hmm. they reference that throughout the rest of it, right? Moving forward in time. You know, episode two, Yennefer sold to Eretusa. Episode three, more Yennefer. Episode four. Finally, more focused back to Geralt. Episode 5, back focused to Geralt. Episode 6, more focused with Geralt. But it's got a lot of it where it also focuses more on Yennefer. And for that, it's great. But again, Yennefer's story arc for what she's brought to the table at this point doesn't seem like it needed to be in Season 1. And they could have fleshed out more of Geralt's history and shown you more of who he is and could have given you more of that connection with Cirilla. Especially with the end of it being that, boom. You don't even have Yennefer there with them. She's in the area. But it's just Geralt and Cirilla. And I think that could have been the focus of season one was maybe showing those two leading up to Yennefer and being able to show season two some of that backstory as the three of them move forward. Well, but I also know that they have a, a more interwoven timeline together. And like they, they show it in the series where... You see, and it kind of, it, it gives you time, timing as well in the season, because you never know how long it's passed from the last episode you watched <laughs> to the next one. Um, but they have a woven history. So, like, we got their initial meeting with the boom fireworks, and then they kind of go back and be like, okay, so they're obviously first into each other's lives, call it fate, call it destiny, call it what have you but it's there and they've shown it and they did a good job of not overbearing us with it because they weren't together every single episode. 
And you just kind of see like, oh, they've crossed paths. And now we know it's been X amount of time since they've seen each other. Um, and I think all of that is important to establish before Cirilla. Because now, I mean, we don't know where Yennefer is, technically, in terms of story. Um, we don't know where she is. And that is how we're going to pick up on season two is, where's Yennefer? Dude, where's but, my Yennefer? <laughs> and see, and that's where I think the weakness for season one falls is more on that. I'm not saying Yennefer's story itself is a weakness. I Like I said, I like her story. I do. But the way they're plotting it out, again, could have been more for season two. Even everything you're saying that they're thrust in by destiny, Cirilla still could have asked the question to him at the end of the season of who's Yennefer to have them introduce a reason for fans to watch season two. Because a lot of fans are upset with the way Yennefer looks. There are a lot of they're upset with the way her character was handled, the way their characters were handled from the games and through the movies, because they have two different fan bases to appease. They could have let those fanboys who are gonna be mad let them have a second season click through. Yeah. But and it's just that. It's Yennefer's story, if you take out the, the, the way it ended, if it ended with the three of them in the same area, it would have made sense. To have Yennefer in season one, but to have Cirilla not even see her, it could it, you couldn't even have to introduce her in season one and had that those plots of season two as to what was happening and showing just Geralt's side of things. Yeah, but I don't know. I for me, I I think it was just a more enjoyable because I get introduced to Yennefer, and Yennefer is actually I think my favorite character after Jeskier. Justice for Jeskier. He was not in the last two episodes. Big mad about it. He better be back in season two or there will be blood. <laughs> well, and then that but, would make him a wasted character. I know. And he got a decent amount of screen time, but I just like, I love his personality. And also, I'm a bard. He's a bard. You know, it's just kind of how things work. So, but I think showing that they have history and how they show that they have history, I think really helped further my, my belief in the connection that they have, especially going into the Witcher with no background from the books or games. Right. So this is my first like Witcher ingestion. So for a filthy casual, I think it was a more digestible story to be like, okay, why is she important? You know, and I got I got more of that because if I went this entire season not really knowing who Yennefer was and then for and then if, if it was still going to end almost like the same way with at the at the battle and being, you know, this crazy, powerful mage. And then people are screaming, Yennefer, it's like it the question itself would not be satisfying in in answering the next season. Because it would have made me more mad. It's like, okay, so I go through all this with with Geralt, Geralt, and Sorella, uh, cool. And now all of a sudden, at the very last second, who's Yennefer? And it's just like the fuck. Like that would just come so far out of left field. I I think it would have completely derailed it. And I think the way that they packaged it, I think it was a more enjoyable experience. See, I don't think it would have derailed it for the fact that. Again, it just didn't have to have her story focused like it was in this season. It's not saying take her out of the season. It's saying her story elements that they wove into the season could have been taken out. Some of like her backstory and saved for the second season to see who Yennefer is. 
No, I think, and especially with how the last episode played out, knowing where she came from in the first season made the ending more impactful and also cemented why she's as powerful as she is. And I wouldn't have gotten that same feeling watching her do that, not knowing more of her backstory. Because we've seen, we've basically seen like her full journey, right? So we've seen the pain that she's lost, she's experienced, the frustrations that she's had, all of these key motivators, and it finally gets all unleashed. So if like we just had her without her backstory, but like we kind of knew she was, you know, she's on the table and, you know, is regarded well, and you can still show like, oh, she's obviously important just with those factoids alone. Um, or that she always ends up being a mage for kings or princes and princesses. Like, you know, so she obviously knows what she's doing at least a little bit, but getting that context as to what made her who she was and what made her as powerful as she was made a bigger difference for me. Because now I understand why she OP. <laughs> I you know mean, what I mean? Yes, but... I can contrast that to a lot of other series that save that for later plot developments as to why a character is the way they are. Like. <laughs> because what they've done is giving her this early is it really does lead a lot to season two, depending on what they can do, because giving away the major plot of all your characters at one time when not even I don't the, the book series didn't even do that. Fair enough. Like I said, I don't have that. I don't have that background knowledge. So it's a completely different experience for me because I don't have any previous Witcher knowledge. So you can come at this in a way you're, you're a little bit more knowledgeable. Well, and that's again what I'm saying. You're going, I like, don't think they needed Yennefer season one as they, much as they focused on her. Because she did split pretty much even if not a little bit more screen time than Geralt got in a lot of episodes when it's a series again catered in promotional items catered around him and his name. Well that's also and just because who Henry he's Cavill's playing. hot well, AF. Yeah, but who he's playing playing all the promotional material and how the story is always focused and everything focuses on him. And that's why I'm saying the first season, like I said, Jennifer Great, I get it. I understand. I love her parts in the series, but and I feel like I'm just going to beat this drum over and over again where I feel like it was not needed in season one. Where I've complained about some shows in season one not giving me enough. This one gave us too much for a first season, I think. I have to agree to disagree on this one. Probably. And season two will answer a lot of those questions. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll come back for season two and... We'll see how years. we feel after after the fact. And if we're still doing this in three years. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, coronavirus. Yay. I don't know, but it's also... I think a lot of that was the pacing that was put between the episodes and just the way the story beats went. Some of them were drug out and some of them were way too rushed. Yeah. Like, there was more... There were more stories that I wish we could have spent more time with. Like, honestly, the quote-unquote heist episode. <laughs> I actually right. wish that episode... Like, we spent more time with it. Because I enjoyed it. And I actually wanted to know more about the other, like... People that they were, like, against. And I wanted to know more about the Gold Dragon. And... 
Like, I, I don't feel like that that episode was like, we're doing a heist. Heist is right now. I was like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Yep. Yeah, there was Emily that episode. That there was, and it's just, yeah, the heist episode could have gone on a little longer with the gold dragon. I could have done with, and you're not going to like it. I could have done with a little bit less on some of the Jaskier scenes. I liked Jaskier, but some of the scenes with him went on a little too long. And that's just because of the point they were trying to drill in with him. But just a few scenes went on a little longer than my, than my liking. But it wasn't just him. It happened with a few other characters. And one of them I just didn't enjoy seeing on screen was Queen Calanthe. Really? Yeah. I didn't really like her character too much, personally. Like, the actress did really well, and she was played great. I just don't think her character translated well-written. Like, I can sit oh. there and say, like, with her, some of the scenes with Jaskier during that main feasting scene with Duty and everything. Like, those were some of the scenes I felt they beat the drum a little too much with the joke, etc., where it just went on a little too long. But then it contrasts that to her, and it almost feels like between the two, I'd rather the too long beat of a joke versus this character that I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like or not like. Yeah, it's like, pretty sure she's racist, like, but then they try to make you sympathize with her. They really didn't know what they do with her. And then at the end, it's like, well, fuck you, I'm taking her from you, but oh shit, I'm gonna die anyway, so find him, I changed my mind. It's just... Yeah, she was it. so She's back an and overprotective forth. queen. Her daughter died, etc. I get it. I do. I just don't like the way the character was written for television. Yeah, I. I will ask you then. How was she in the book? I haven't read enough with her in the book series. All I've gotten was the snippet of what that scene was, and it was written the same, just didn't come off the same. Okay, so maybe it's more the actresses take on it more so well it more of was probably the way the writers wrote wrote the script as well for but because like i said she did well with what she was given it's just something about that character just didn't do it for me it wasn't portrayed i don't i something about queen calanthe didn't connect for me oh that's fair i was not a big queen calanthe fan either i she was like too much of a tyrant, but then like like I said, they also sides with her because you know, oh, I lost my daughter, and this is all I have, all that jazz, and I'm like, okay, and and now you're racist and killing things. Okay, cool. It's because she's the queen. She can do what she wants. She doesn't die by the sword and by windows. Yes, she does die by and die by, by the window. Flat. She does die by fall flat. Fud. And that's, you know, and there's some things in this series that I still don't quite know at this point okay. in what they're showing on this series. Um, they don't give you much other than, okay, we're going to make the world better. This is why we're invading. You want more of the political aspect of the, we don't, you want the political landscape of which we want to know. We want to know the, well, I'd like to know the motivation of what these supposed enemies are. You know, again, we can flash back to the series we just talked about, and we know what our motivations of our 
supposed enemies are. You know, it's a revenge plot and it's a where the church fuck you plot. Okay. You know, but in this one, it's we're invading. We're going to make the world better. But why? What jaded hand were you dealt that made you do this? What made you want to rise to power? What do you know about, you know, obviously they know something about Cirilla. Well, how did they find that out? What do they know? And we didn't get any of that in this season. True. Which I think, and this is going to go back to what I said, would have been more beneficial to us to understand why Cirilla is this important key that she has to find him and they're invading for her. Why don't we find that out in season one versus, well, Jennifer's backstory? If you're deeming that the point of them invading and this happening and these people fighting and dying against this army is because of Cirilla, why? That's true. We don't really get a lot of motivations. We're just told this is it and you're going to believe it and cool. That's all you're getting. And that's, again, something that I would rather see explained in a season one than have to watch for a season two. Again, why I think ending on a who's Yennefer season two drop of you get a new character introduced is better than a season two drop of we don't know the motivation as to why she's been told to run, why they're invading, what she's the key to. We don't know any of that yet. Okay, so here, here's a counterpoint for you then. And it, it kind of feeds in with your whole need less Yennefer background story. Um, but I think anything that had to do with Istrid and Yennefer, I really could have done without. Yeah, it was a wasted just wasted to show her connecting with someone. There's a lot of scenes, like if they're going to show her backstory season one, they could have cut that out. They could have cut some of the uh, um, interactions with Madame Tresselia out. No, I really like seeing their relationship and like how it's like hot. Yes. So that I would have been fine. We could have. No, the scenes with them and a lot of them were fine. Some of the ones later on weren't needed. Like the build up scenes at the beginning, I get to show that relationship. But every time they interacted afterward, we could have done a little less for pacing for pacing purposes to fit in some of that missing info we needed. Yeah, that's fair. So because maybe take really, out a couple with her. Because you didn't really need to see anything with her again until the end of the series. True. She didn't narratively fit anywhere else in there until you got to those last two episodes. Okay. I guess I can give you that one. So maybe we take out a couple of hers and then we get rid of the Istrid thing just in general because you is the biggest waste of a character, I think, in the entire series for me. He didn't do anything. Like, except for, like, had some, like, Yennefer had someone that believed in her. And it's like, you know, it's fine. We don't need to know that specifically. I don't think. think And we could have gotten more with Cirilla at that point. Well, and even then, some of the scenes with Yennefer at the Academy, did we really need two full episodes with her in the Academy? Or could we have condensed some of that down to maybe some longer beats in a single episode? I'm fine with the two because they at least spaced it out. You know, like her learning and then like her getting to transformation between those two episodes. Which is fine. Yes, but again, there's still parts of that where it could be, you know, like for example, the scenes, some, a scene that could stay, the whole turning them into eels and such, that scene needs to stay. That's a big, powerful moment later. But some of the scenes with her just failing multiple, multiple, multiple times could have been cut shorter. We got the point after she failed the first few times. Why do I need to see her fail 12? True. 
So again, it's just cutting some time to be able to maybe add information in regarding some of these other characters you're setting up because we haven't really been given a reason to care about Cirilla, who's been set up as your third major character, other than she's the princess and she's on the run. Yeah, she's she's on the princess, she's on the run, she's important, fine, fine girl. And she's bound to grow up by destiny because he claimed the law of surprise. Ta-da. That's her entire character. But why is she important other than she has the power of her mother? What is her power? What does it give to her? We've seen snippets of it. Is it something she could control? Is it something she needs to learn to control? Is she going to learn to control it in the second season? We don't know. Is she a witcher? Is she going to become a witcher? Is I don't think witchers are born. No, but that's why I'm saying, is she going to become one? I don't or, think they you know, can anymore. I think that was established. You can't make witchers anymore because of everything that uh, Queen Calanthe did. You see, but we're also talking about a series that can clearly write itself out of a jam, too. This is true. Because they've done it a few times in these episodes. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing about this series that is one big failure for me on it is the writing itself. Okay. I just... I don't like the way the show is like it's well shot, it's well acted, it is not well written. Dialogue is kind of arbitrary. And it's not even, you know, like yes, I understand Geralt's more of a strong silent type, but everybody's dialogue is more of like NPC dialogue choice. It's like I'm playing Mass Effect and I'm picking a predetermined plot dialogue and it's them reading it out. That's what it sounds like. That's how it feels to me. It feels like pre-generated dialogue choices. I mean, they were just trying to emulate the the video game. <laughs> I guess, but that's just how a lot of it feels. Like the lines are well done. It's they are, but it just the writing it causes it to fall flat and feel more just like generic video game dialogue choices. Yeah, there there were definitely a couple pieces you know even when uh, like the heist the heist mm -hmm. i think is the best episode to completely support your your thought process on that because that was the entire episode yeah was plot dialogue like plot option like dialogue option the episode and like, it wasn't even we have a heist we go tonight and then and it's like okay and their big reveal that, yeah, I'm the gold, you know, that this old dude was the gold dragon the whole time wasn't a very clever reveal when you can figure it out in the first five minutes of watching the episode. Yep. Because he like, mentions give, it and what he's like, wearing. I, and I give props to Stranger Things for at least being able to kind of keep a twist for more than an episode. Yeah. Because this one was not, you know... Uh, a shocking twist. This was an oh, okay, yeah, that's obvious. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. We're not that dumb. I, I wish they would have challenged us as watchers a little bit more to maybe pay attention a little bit. I feel Give us like some the... deeper dialogue. Yeah. I feel and that like would have was... also helped us with emotions. And instead of Instead of portraying character and backstory, you can do a lot through dialogue with how they interact with them. Well, and I feel a lot of this comes down to that 
in a world post Game of Thrones, which had decent writing for the first five, six seasons. <laughs> it's gonna get compared to that a lot because people are looking for that show that's gonna fill that void that oh i don't have game of thrones anymore so we're gonna have to find our next big fantasy epic that we're gonna jump into and ruin a fandom of because we're all looking for that next thing that we can talk about at the water cooler monday morning i don't think this show is actually going to end up being it for a lot of people because of the way some of these dialogue some of these dialogues are written in these in these episodes yeah, I will say Jaskier is written really well, though. Like his dialogue, although is is very bardic, it, he it fits. Like the way his writing is, it fits his character and how they use, it. and his delivery just makes it that much better. I think, I think just and Jaskier is my Jaskier best boy, and he he's so lively with everything. It doesn't feel so generic. I also want to. I also think Cirilla was written very well. Cirilla was. For as little as we've given Cirilla's character and that actress, very well done. And I mean, and that's the thing. Even though these characters, and and, you know, Geralt wasn't written the best. He he could have been written a little bit better for his character. Um, Because he actually has a personality. He does. He actually does have personality. And Henry Cavill's a hell of an actor. He did his research to play this role and brought everything to the table he could for it. I mean, he went, he played the games, he read the books. He has. He did his research for it. He did really <laughs> well with what he was given. I just think the writing was just lacking for Geralt and for Yennefer, especially for the both of them. They're, they're right, the writing for them and especially in the scenes they're together fall very flat. Yes, very... And I think like, that's a lot of what leads me to thinking of the Yennefer for season two part is because her writing wasn't done well enough in this in this season to justify having as much time dedicated to her. Fair. Because between her and Geralt, Geralt was at least written a little bit better, but I think a lot of that also has to do with the playing. Yeah. I can see that for sure. You know, because a great actor can do wonders with bad writing. Yeah, but Jennifer's cool. character just felt very cardboard to me at a lot of points. Yeah, I I was able to enjoy Jennifer because I could, I guess, read between the lines that were poorly written. You know, and like like I said, with like the scenes of and everything, like I got to see it with my own eyes, even if the dialogue in between A and B was. Really lackluster, but at least seeing it, and I mean, like she acted very well, and she had some great moments, you know. Yeah, so I, I got well to see what she was given for sure. I got to see it, and because I saw it, it was fine. But it would have been more impactful had it not felt so generic. And that's I think a lot to it is it just it felt very generic. Kind of like honestly, in the end, season one was good, but it does just feel like generic fantasy. Yep. And we had a big battle, our mage is gone, and now we have to wait. Yeah, it really does just, and I hate to put it that way, because I really enjoyed this show. Me too. I, I loved watching it. It was a fun thinking ride. Thinking about it, watching it again, and everything I've done with it since we've finished it to now is really got me to believe it's just, it's generic, it's, Henry, it's a Henry Cavill-led generic fantasy show. Yeah. 
there's nothing spectacular. I mean, in the end, Game of Thrones at least brought great acting with amazing writing to the table to give you something a little bit better than just a generic fantasy show at the beginning. Right. Unfortunately, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it, um, with, with Game of Thrones, they had, they had more plot. They had better character dialogue interactions where you, it, it brought the world to life. Cause I feel you could take, um, you can take Geralt and Yennefer and Cirilla and put them in pretty much any setting and it would be fine. The story could still play out, right? Versus with Game of Thrones where you take out one piece of that puzzle and it all falls apart. Exactly. And that's like the big difference between the two shows that shows you that that where I, I guess kind of for me at least kind of shows where I get my assumption of. But like I said, The Witcher was good it's just felt very it fell flat a lot more than it should have i think for me okay i think that's the best way to put that is it just it fell flat more often than i think it needed to or it wanted to and that makes things just where i can feel a little little different about it that's fair I, i can definitely give that to you I guess I like I I've enjoyed the show. I I liked I still very much like Jennifer. I I would like to know more and hopefully we're able to get a better season 2 because they've got time to work on it. We all have nothing but time right now. <laughs> well, you say that but they had to suspend all the shooting that they were doing on it. I know. So maybe but they can I'm- reflect on what they've done. <laughs> On that note, I'm ready to give this a rating. How about you? Okay, we can do that. So, I'm giving this my die roll rating of a D8. It's just pretty average along the way. It's an acceptable show to watch. I'll watch season two. It's not spectacular. It's not outstanding. It's not amazing. It's just middle of the road. See, and I'm actually going to give it a D10. Okay. And for me, it hits a lot of marks. It still has its pitfalls. You know, we've kind of talked about that. But, and I'm also, again, I'm coming in, no Witcher knowledge. So I am the, I am the general masses, not the nerdy masses in this. And as a piece of non-influenced or, you know, Coming in with prior knowledge, I think that's what bumps it up to a D10 for me because I still, although we talked about the motivations and everything, I still felt like I knew enough to get a more satisfied conclusion. I just hope they do better for season two as for the wise. Yeah, I'd like to be able to hope I could bump up this rating after season two. But we'll see. Moving on, we'll watch on to a show. We'll jump to a show that has none of these so far. This is the exact opposite of anything that we've talked about so far today. Like, when you look at a sandwich of the shows we're talking about, we kind of did a compliment sandwich today. Yeah, a little bit. Talked about something really good, something mediocre. We're going to go jump and talk about our favorite Nazi hunting gang. 
and the very good stuff they do. Ah, that stuff. So, we'll <laughs> be back go. with two, not one, but two episodes of Hunters. With the thing that we owe you. Yes. Hey there, thing of tears. Have you been wanting to slide into my DM? Well, now's your chance, so make sure you talk to us at athinkpod at gmail.com. All right, so now it's time for us to give you what we owe you, because we are a let's talk of our word, and why don't we just start jumping into Hunter's episode four, then episode five. Yeah, um, episode four deals with the fallout of Jonah's best buddy's death, him wanting back in on the hunt. Poor booty. A corrupt banker. We got our heist episode, guys. (laughs) Why is it? We got a heist, but it wasn't a heist. All right, let's be honest. It wasn't really a heist. They were there. They got the evidence. They found all the missing. They They still walked out with something, though. No, Jonah walked out with a ring. He did. Still walked out with something. But, I mean, either way, they they heisted knowledge. Yeah. Like we still got I love that we have a heist episode of pretty much everything we've watched since the Rick and Morty. Yeah, pretty much we've had a heist ever since Rick and Morty's heist. Yeah, Mandalorian had a heist. <laughs> Witcher had like a heist. I just You know why? it didn't have a heist? <laughs> mm. Carnival Row. No, it kinda did, because she had to steal the flag. It just oh, wasn't fuck. as heist like. Just wasn't as heisty because it was just her and Tourmaline. Yeah, but she still heisted something. <laughs> Is that the verb? I made it a verb now. <laughs> Maybe the heist was just the friends we made along the way, Nancy. Fuck you. <laughs> so, okay. I, okay, so heist jokes aside, this episode was actually pretty cool because we got to see a different side of uh, Meyer. And we actually, this was, in my opinion, the first episode where we really got to see him, like, use, use his role as a billionaire to benefit the hunt. Well, instead of I just wouldn't finding think it. He's, a, he's not a billionaire. Millionaire, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, which is a practically billionaire. a billionaire if we're looking at time. Like, like, time and inflation and value of the dollar and all that good stuff. He basically equates to a model billionaire but in the show he is listed as a millionaire still want to know how he made his money me too maybe we'll get that in season two maybe we'll get that now (laughs) maybe we'll get that who knows i don't i don't feel like they're going to touch on it though i don't know so this episode it had a nice little overarching plot underneath it too to kind of tell the story of the ring that we before they mentioned where a man swallowed it I say swallowed, but he didn't really swallow it. But he swallowed it as he went into Auschwitz. He found the woman he was going to propose to, proposed to her, and they all died. Yep. It was very sweet, though. It was, it was a very... All lived happily never after. Yes. <laughs> but it was... It was a very sweet but real look at what people did to smuggle things to and from the, you know, into the concentration camps. I mean, because there people are... still do that to smuggle things in and out of prison, homie. Fair, fair enough. Okay, but I'm just talking in terms of... <laughs> we don't have to go into smuggling into prison or across, you know, 
country lines and stuff. It's oh no, fine. I kind of need a new Monopoly board. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think you'd be able to get away with that. Times are different. I'll have to ask Cartman. Yeah, there you go. So I would just say in general, it was it was a nice underling story. And I think they did a pretty good job on misdirecting. Like, it's like, oh, like, who are these people? Like, oh, are they, you know, introduced to or are they someone that we already know? And this is their backstory. Um, and then nope. it's like, nope, just kidding. They're all dead. This is a non sequitur. Yeah. Here's the story of the ring to drive home the point that this person's bad. This person's bad and all these people had lives and can no longer tell those stories. It was very impactful of a message. I, I love the messages that come across in this show so far. So... I want to jump around a little bit here because I want to talk about the creepy episode. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Travis. Oh, Travis. Creepy boy. And him going into Jonah in his house, looking at photographs, practicing the way he smiles. Yeah, he's definitely creepy. And you can really... and. He's definitely autistic. Like, <laughs> at least maybe. Or he's just really, really Nazi. Well, there's some. There's definitely some autism in there, but that's definitely not the in that cooking pot that's a brewing up there that makes his level of crazy. <clears throat> but, and I, I love that he's creeping in the house, and then our, our favorite FBI agent is like, "Hello, is anyone there?" He's not here. He's not and here. And then I also, what do you mean he's not here? And black people are like, you the fuzz? I'm not talking to the fuzz. <laughs> right, but she does find him at Meyer's place. Dun, dun, dun. And they play chess. Well, I should yeah. say, Millie and Jonah. Yes, Millie and Joe, yes. Kind of. They start to. But she doesn't like games. And Jonah's being a cocky little bitch. Yes, he thinks he... And honestly, I think it's just because like, he thinks that he's safe. Like, I'm in Meyer's house. He's the smartest guy in the room. Yep. Never assume that... Because assuming makes an ass out of you and me. Right. I mean... To be fair, Jonah probably was the smartest guy in that room, but... <laughs> he wasn't the wisest, and there is a difference. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're not wise enough to know how to use it, practically pointless. There's got to be a nice balance, folks, is what I'm saying. And it was, I, I like that they keep coming back to the whole chess thing, though. You know, because we have the, the chess opening and, you know, the puzzle pieces that are the puzzle pieces, the chess pieces that, you know, move on the board. And they also don't change how they move. I've watched it enough now to, like, know that. Um, and then... Jonah and Meyer play chess, and now, and that's when Meyer was really sizing up Jonah and like really gauging him. And then now Jonah's kind of gauging up Millie, and Millie, of course, is trying to get stuff out of Jonah, and it's always nice to distract while you're interviewing and trying to get knowledge out of somebody because if their mind is focused on else, 
then they're more likely to slip up. So it's cool to see little thought processes all around the chessboard. And I like that it's a staying. Um, I want to use for it. <sighs> I like that they keep using the chess aspect. Right. Though. So we've kind of hit the biggest beats of this episode without going too in detail on it. Yeah. I uh, do like Biff throwing a wrench in the Nazi plans. Yeah, okay. So talk about Just a character a I didn't contest. think. <laughs> a little bit. Talk about a character that I didn't think would have this kind of state. <laughs> We're in episode four and five. And it's like, oh, this bitch is still here. I legit thought like he'd be dead by now. Honest to God. And instead, he's like, just like a leech. He's just hanging on. I can relate to that. I wait. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and he, he's such a little weasel. And I really just want to deck him and deck him multiple, multiple times. Because he's, you know, oh, my, my wife and my family and they're all, they're all dead. And I've seen the light and, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to be back at work, and we really need to stop these trades to South Africa because fuck them South Americans or so, yeah, South Americans. Fuck them South Americans. They don't need no American aid. We don't need damn damn dictators. Fuck damn. Yep. And then only for the next episode to come around to be like, you know what? I was wrong. I didn't mean fuck them dictators. I mean we should be fucking them dictators. Because if we don't, the commies will. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Like, holy shit. So, but at the same time, his weaselly makes me, like, makes me feel like he, he's the one that will do, like, any, but he's going to survive. He's the one but, Nazi to rule them all. Oh, no. <laughs> He'll be the one to find them. And in the darkness, bind them. That's true. I feel like he's pretty connected, and that's why he's still, still ticking. Chugging along, but I like how he's written so far because, like, they really do a good job, like, making eat him, and he 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 acts it so well. <laughs> yes, he does act that weaselly. Like, I don't want to get under your not as well as the actor for Travis acts his role at all. No, Travis MVP best is... actor. Ah. Oh my god, it's episode like, five. That kind of shows me a little bit more another side to his character, too. A little bit. And we'll we'll get so, to that. Maybe we'll just talk about it all now. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna season four. It wraps up with them not even it, because in this episode, the hunters don't actually kill a Nazi. Yeah, this is their this the is their Nazi buffer. Kills himself. After Meyer stabs him in the hand. Well, it's because he knows he's been compromised. Well, yeah. And he tries to find out who the owner of, bo of the box is, but it's... They thought it was someone who died. Damn. Oscar Hopman. But it turns the out... Wolf, or the ghost. Ghost. Who apparently faked his out. death 30 years ago, but no, nah, he alive, y'all. He owns that box. He's the one sending out the messages for them to blow shit up on certain days. Or, you know, kill I'm RFK. Done. So we find out more, a little bit more about that this episode, too. The, 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 the messages. Plot. The messages. And 
we find out the Nazis were behind JFK's assassination and RFK's assassination and yeah, that, a couple of other world events. Illuminati. That whole there. scene, though, was was great between... And you find out that he's an atheist. I wouldn't say atheist. Well, I think he's agnostic. Yes. Because it's one of those... Best way to put it. Yes. Or, I don't... I still feel like he's like he's tied to his religion, and I don't know. But he's definitely like really, really taken some steps back from it, and like does not praise. It's like I'm not comfortable with it, and I can understand like his mindset of it too. And I'm sure he wasn't like the only one that felt this way. It's like, oh well, you know, why did God let this happen to us, like us as a people, not just like me specifically? And I, he, he doesn't strike me as that type of person or character in the show, but just more like. This happened to millions of us. And if and if God did did love us, like this wouldn't have happened. So I can see why he's doubtful. I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so it's just interesting to see. And then as you move into episode five where they're planning their daughter's wedding, the rabbi's there. I love the rabbi. Like <laughs> I like the I mean, you I'll leave you to let me know if it's a sign of God, but I have to go drain the snake. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, you snarky bitch. I like it. <laughs> oh, you have snakes? <laughs> yeah, just totally like, whoop, right over his head. He should have stood up maybe and then would have caught it. Where? So let's move over to episode five. Because episode four really was just kind of, here's an episode just to move us along. Yeah, this is our catch-up episode. This because episode... Things pick up a little five. They split off into two teams. Harriet does some shady shit. Again. Yeah. yeah, I still don't know how I feel about Harriet. Jonah gets called out for not showing up to his best friend's funeral. Don't blame him. Gets confronted about lying to the police. Asking about why the FBI guy showed up. But kind of that Harriet's kind of spurning pushes her away. Yep. So one thing I wanted to ask you. Okay. So they split off the two teams, right? Harriet, Jonah, and Joe go and go off to Alabama and go ahead and talk to that rocket scientist Nazi guy down there. Pooh! Or, you know, Dillman. And team B goes after Tilda Sauer in her home. And huh. that scene to me, she never, she never admits it, right? Right. And then she turns to Meyer and says, great pretender, clever tongue. And then he just shoots her in the head. Like, what does that, that mean, though? <laughs> completely against the rules the that they came with. Yeah. Um, until they verify it. Because they never technically did. And, I mean, there was a big, huge party, party fallout from that. Like, Meyer, what, what did you do? What did you do? They weren't verified. And, like, that girl ate a lot of shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she did. I give her props for so going through that. So I'm very curious to see what happens there. And then you see Lottie discover a book with a mysterious symbol on the cover, which is the same book you see Travis reading. Mm -hmm. and speaking of Travis, the delivery boy. The delivery boy. 
He's big mad this episode, and I love he it. He wasn't a delivery boy in the end and pulled out a shotgun after he had everybody else tied up in the fucking trunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't going to gonna be... Meyer's car. Oh, yeah, that went boom. Chick, chick, boom. Okay. And but. he's saying... So, Travis in this episode, here's here's the thing about... You know, you see the different side of him, right? Where he gets angry. And then he gets creepy again as he sings while shooting his rifle. It was such a good scene, though. <laughs> I loved it. And he's actually got some good pipes. Yes. <laughs> I actually he, kind of enjoy his singing voice. Yeah, he is just enjoying the fuck out of himself. Mm-hmm. He's living his best life right now. He's in Alabama. He's shooting people singing along he's already killed a couple of people like he's having a great travis day and that's that little scene you get the one with my or with jonah joe and harriet where harriet does shady shit jonah's gotten his ass whipped into shape joe has ptsd flashbacks from the fireworks that was a that was cool to give us some more background on joe because up, up to this point we really haven't Right. He's we don't really have much been on the strong of silent. Well, I mean, we know at least enough about Jonah and Meyer. And Meyer. And even uh what's her name? The Morris? Not Morris. Roxy. We know like a Roxy, bit about Roxy, yeah. We know about a bit about her. We know we know about Lonnie. But his his background well, is very flat. We know of Lonnie's background. Yeah. We learned a little bit more about it to, in this episode. We did. He's a recovering alcoholic trying to get parts and reinvent his career. Yeah, so he he flew too close to the sun and his wings got burned. And trying to... <sighs> Poor Icarus. <sighs> Poor Icarus. So, but in terms of Harriet, it's like, we don't, we don't know you. <laughs> and now you go and you take off with one of the confirmed other Nazis that were at this party. After telling him that the Jews are here to kill you. Come with me. I'll keep you safe, and then you bail on your team. Yeah, like, that's not a good look, honey. What are you doing? I yep. need to know. Bum, Harriet, bum. explain. Bum, she's Harriet the spy. She has to be. <laughs> it's in her birth it's in her namesake right they named her harriet for a reason but in this episode it makes you wonder some things like you obviously you assume that since she spoke to meyer that you got that they got the right person you find out that the u.s invited the nazis in after world war ii to work on their science programs which is a true story i love the that really happened <laughs> yeah that really happened operation paperclip Yep, it's real. You can look that up. This happened. The allies split the Third Reich's brilliant minds essentially between them. And that's what started the nuclear arms race. I mean, that's what you and get even when you before put... that, I mean, Oppenheimer. <laughs> he got us to the moon. Nazis got us to the moon, too. Yeah, I mean... Oppenheimer and Einstein were both German scientists who came to America and ended up developing what? Bunch of stuff. <laughs> but we got our we got bomb. our first big bomb. <laughs> we yeah, got our first big bomb. bomb. 
So, yeah. Mystery the Germans may have had jet engineering and jet technology back in the 1940s and jet engines. Thanks, BMW. Yay. So, it is... It's cool that they are also playing to the like these reminders. Like, yeah, this is actually happened. Yeah, this is a little fucked up. We agree. That's why we're you know we're showing you right now. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how much of that gets glossed over in history class. No, because we we only talk about uh, you know doing the bad or people doing bad and how we we stop them from doing bad or all of the good parts. We don't you talk always about forget the about bad the, that we do. No, because that would mean that we're not perfect America. <laughs> but we're America. America million. You know what else is America, Nancy? What else? Biff. Biff in this episode going back saying, you know what? Like I mentioned earlier, we're just going to be fuck them instead of them commies. Because fuck the commies. Yeah, he's the most American out of anybody, I think. That's But... Did you notice that the secretary said she wasn't going to say anything and she was leaving it as it was? Yeah. She was like, no, I'm not wishy-washy. Fuck you. Respect it. She's going to die. She's a strong woman. She's going to die. Probably. Because she told Biff no. Which means she told the Nazis no. And you don't tell the Nazis no. You tell them nine. (laughs) Unless you're Biff and tell the, the colonel you want a meeting with the general. Oh, yeah, this was a, I'm going to whip my dick out. Like, you saw what I can do. I want to meet the general. Who's the general? I'm important. Who's the general? Oh, it's probably Hitler. Probably. Or it's probably super secret ultra mecha Hitler, or it's Abraham Linkler. Ooh, if they brought Abraham Linkler into this, like, it'd be perfect. And they have the science to turn men into pickles. Yeah, Abradolf Linkler. <laughs> then he can become I'm Pickle Linkler. No, thank you. You know you it's want a Pickle much. Linkler. Little top hat and <gasps> beard on a pickle. Stash too. Yep. <laughs> Gotta have the stash. Gotta have the stash. Or maybe no How stash, was... just beard. Well, no, because then that just becomes Abraham Lincoln as a pickle. You need the you need the stash too to signify. So, we've talked a bit about these two episodes now, and together as one piece, they're nice. I like how, so Tilda dies, but did Joe actually kill the other guy? I think he did. I think he slit his throat. Yeah, he did. what's implied. You don't see it. Like, it's implied, and then if you notice on the way out, Jonah gets stopped and recognized by dude's daughter. Yeah, she's like, hey, hey, and he's like, just keep walking, just keep walking, which is exactly what you're supposed to do in those situations. If you're ever, like, in a place and someone recognizes you and you don't want to, you just keep moving. Yeah, you just you walk, hey, aren't you? And, then and you just walk. Catch it. So, this episode, it left me with some, more so than episode four, didn't really leave me with any questions. I have questions at the end of this episode, and mainly that question is, the fuck is she doing? What the fuck is Harriet doing? Like, I need to know. Am I supposed to hate her? Am I supposed to not trust her? Am I supposed to trust her? Like, is she I a double agent? Tell. Is she a triple agent? Is she a quadruple agent? Is she just one weird woman? Is she a Nazi? Is she not a Nazi? Is she just a German? Is she a sympathizer? Guess we'll have to keep is watching she... to find out. 
I know. We're going to figure out if Harriet's just a loose cannon or if she's got a hidden agenda. And I guess it's that time of the night. Yep. Thank you guys for spending some quality quarantine with us. Yep. We won't have another two-week break, I don't, I don't think. Maybe we will. I won't write that in stone yet. We're, we're playing it all by ear. Like, literally kind of everybody like else. Everybody else the planet. We're, we're, we're doing it live. We're playing it by ear. But want you all to stay safe. Stay six feet away. And remember hey, to wash your hands. Yeah. Wash your fucking hands, you filthy animals. I don't need to see any of you fucking walking out of the bathrooms and not washing your hands in public places. That shit's uh, gross. Wash your hands. I still see it happening. Slow the curve. So on, on that note, guys, we will see you next time. So peace out, thing of tears. Slow the curve. Bring me back some baseball.